Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Buckets brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, and this is your best bets episode for Tuesday in the NBA playoffs. You got three games on the slate. You can find everything that you need to know to bet these games in the award winning Action Network app. Best way for you to track your picks. You have the second information where the bets and money are coming in on. We've got our daily show, Green Dot Daily, set your betting agenda. We've got all of our great podcasts in there, including this podcast, which you can check out if you're just like, oh, what did they say about this? What did what dynamite pick did AC and Brandon give out on that episode? You can go ahead and check that out on the Tuesday slate. We've got three games for you. The Atlanta Hawks take on the Boston Celtics. Celtics minus 10 and a half. Hawks total uh, 229. Knicks take on the Cleveland Cavaliers in game two. Cavs a five and a half point favorite down 0-1 in that series. Total is a 213 and a half. And the Los Angeles Clippers after taking game one take on the Phoenix Suns. Suns in a must-win spot here. Minus seven and a half, total 226. Joining me today, as I mentioned, analytics capper Albert Wynn. AC, how was your weekend? Weekend was awesome, man. It was an amazing weekend of games. We saw dogs bark in the NBA playoffs. It was just always fun to see. Hopefully, we see Kawhi KD for seven games because that's to me is the most uh, most interesting matchup. NBA futures analyst Brandon Anderson also joins us. Brandon, uh, I had a miserable betting weekend. How was yours? <laughs> Uh, yeah, my uh, my future side of the weekend went a lot better than my present side of the weekend. The the game to game picks not quite as good as the series and futures type stuff. But you know, game one for me, game one weekend like Saturday Sunday, all the game ones, all the fresh data. That's about as good as it gets in the NBA. So we got to see a lot of great basketball games once we got the first couple ones out of the way. So yeah, it's a good weekend. Let's get right to it. We'll go around and we'll give our best bets for the Tuesday's slate. AC, let's start off with you. What are your picks for Tuesday? Yeah, I have one game I really like. Uh, it's going to be Cavs early and often. So I'm going to take the Cavs first half minus two and a half. 
Okay. Brandon Anderson, what are your best bets for the Tuesday slate? Yeah, I'll start with that game. I like the under 213 and a half. And I'm going to play Darius Garland assists over in that one. Only a one in the first game. So I'll take the over seven and a half. That's an alternate line plus 125. And then in the Boston game, give me the Celtics to sweep. We went there before. I'm going back to the well plus 190. But give me a little Jalen Brown over two and a half turnovers as well. I asked Brandon what's his best bet for a game. And he he gives me the next three games in the series uh, <laughs> is not surprising given uh, how he feels about these teams. Uh, I've got three bets on this uh, slate. I've got the Boston Celtics minus 10 and a half. I've got the over 213 and a half in Knicks Cavs. Uh, and I'm going to lay the points with uh, the Phoenix Suns minus seven and a half as well. We'll get into all these as we go. All right, so Brandon, let's start with you right now because I think that that's like the best place to start. Um, let's start with the Celtics sweep. So the Celtics absolutely destroy the Atlanta Hawks in game one, completely dismantle them, hit on the over in that game. I'm staying away from the total in this one with where it's at right now. Um, I do lean towards the over in this game. How how does Celtics sweep not win? What give me Give me that outcome and why you're confident it won't occur. Yeah, I mean, I think the outcome is the obvious one. I think we expect Boston to win this game. When you're a double-digit favorite and, and you're laying the points on this one, you obviously, Matt, think that they're going to win, win handily here. I mean, look, they're up 30 at halftime of the first game. It was a walkover. It, it was a do some chores, finish up, you know, take a little mental break. We got a long weekend ahead. That's the sort of game this was in game one. And honestly, it's kind of what we thought, I think, Really, neither Jay even played that well. I didn't like comparatively to what they could. I don't think we saw a great game from Tatum or from Brown. We just kind of saw a team win and we saw maybe a team loss as much as anything. Like we saw the Hawks being what we feared the Hawks would be. Trey Young, I mean, my man just can't do it. He can't do it in the in the playoffs. At least he did. He did against, you know, the Sixers and the MVP, but he can't do it against the Celtics and all their defense and Marcus Smart and Derek White and all the guys out there. Atlanta shot five of 29 on threes in this game. Those are both really bad numbers. The five is bad. Everyone's going to focus on the five and the bad percentage. The 29 is worse for me. You can't beat the Celtics if you're only getting up 29 threes. You're the underdog. You got to switch it up. You got to do something different. Quinn Snyder did that in the play-in against Miami. I thought he kind of played catered to, okay, here's what we need to do against the Heat. And I just didn't see it at all. So I think Boston wins game two. The pivot is game three. So uh, doing the numbers here, uh, the money line right now prices Boston at 81% to win game two. I'd honestly take that up a little bit. So 80, 85%. Effectively, we get to game three. I think we agree, right? Boston will be favored in game three, correct? Yes. Correct. Okay. So if we think Boston's favored, then that makes Boston a slightly better than 50-50 to win. So to get to the the price at 190, basically the math goes something like this. 81%, they were already given that. Give it 56%, slightly better than coin flip. And then I I still think the Hawks, I just think that they roll over in a game four. And I think that's a spot where we we don't say, okay, another 56, 60%. I'm boosting that up to 75% or longer. I think we're one, two, three Cancun, Trey Young, trade rumors, 
we got a new coach. We got like, like, this is not the team. This is not the long-term Atlanta thing. I'm, I don't think anyone thinks that. And if you go down 3-0 and get walloped by the Celtics three times, you definitely don't think that. And I think you're just done at that point. So this to me is saying, okay, I'm confident they win game two. This is my game two money line pick. But when they win that game, and I don't have to worry about the cover this way, then they go into Atlanta, they get the win. And I think I'm playing with with easy house money after that. So I think the plus 190 is way too long here. I would put it closer to like 140 or 145, which is where it's at in some books. FanDuel, 190. So I'll take the number. Yeah, I mean, you're, money, you're doing a preemptive money line parlay on the next three games. Correct. Yeah. Um, well, give me the Jalen Brown turnovers. Yeah, that was just, uh, he had six turnovers, I believe, in game one. And uh, my, my man's base hand, it seems to be bothering him a little bit. I just, it's, it's a play on that. We we saw last year also in the playoffs, the turnovers were an issue for Jalen Brown. We remember, Matt, we remember I lost a lot of money betting on Jalen Brown. Conference finals MVP and then finals MVP and uh, he had it, and then he fumbled the ball and fumbled the trophy and fumbled it all away. So over two and a half turnovers, paying a little juice on it, but he had he had six in game one. Uh, he played well. He had the rebounds as well. He's going to get his buckets. But in the season, he had at least two turnovers, 54 to 67 games. So we're right there then with two. Last year in the playoffs, 21 out of 24 playoff games, he had at least two. He's over this and over half, uh, over half of the playoff games as well. So... And also the minutes were really up. I was surprised when I look back, Tatum played 41 in game one, Jalen Brown played 38. And I was like, what are you doing? Boston, come on, long playoffs. Yeah, well, they hadn't really played for like a week and they're going to have some time off and kind of coasting their way through. So you get lots of minutes, you get lots of Jalen handling. He's just going to make some mistakes and, you know, can't dribble a whole lot. So take the turnovers. Yeah, his uh, dribbling continues to be a little bit of an issue. Um you know, you mentioned Trey Young. I'm going to look for an opportunity to take some sort of fade on Young. His points props all the way down to 24 and a half, which is low. Like, that's a low number. The books are already, like, on it as far as what this looks like um, with Trey in this matchup. You mentioned, like, he did it versus the Sixers and these other teams. Well, like, I could put this in pretty simple terms. Those teams play drop. Yeah, <laughs> I knew like, it was coming. <laughs> the Celtics switch. This is in my cap on the series. That's why I was like, I have no idea. A lot of this is that if the Hawks could play differently, they might be live in the series. This is a this is going to be a, a trend. And we'll talk about this in the weekend recap episode, which you can catch in the feed. If you can't play differently than you're intended to, if your best player is vulnerable to certain schemes, you're screwed. Like you have to be able to adjust. DeJounte Murray needs to be the one not like leading this team right now. Like if you want, if you're serious, if you want to win, Dejounte Murray needs to be your primary initiator, and you need to move Trey off ball. But they'll never do that. They'll never do it. Uh, I'm on the Celtics here. I'm laying the points with them. The biggest reason I'm laying the points actually is a trend that I found, which I actually uh, am pretty excited about. To be perfectly honest with you, game two, you win the first one, you're a favorite at home. So in the playoffs since 2003, you're at home. You won the first one and you're favored in game two. If the line is moves in your direction from game one to game two, so you're a bigger favorite than you were in game one, 54 and 12 straight up at 82%, 39, 26 and one for 60% against the spread since 2003. If we move that and we go to 
uh, since 2018-19, so the last four seasons, uh, it gets even better. Like, we get way, way, way better as this goes along. Uh, since 2018-19, 12-4-1 at 75%, 15-2 straight up. Like, this is the direction. So they were 10-point favorites at close of game one. They're 10.5 currently. I think this goes to 11. The money's coming in on Boston, according to the Action Network app. Uh, so I like the Celtics here, minus 10.5. AC, what are your thoughts on Celtics, Hawks? It's it's Celtics or nothing. There's no way you can back the Hawks right now. Trey Young, if you extrapolate the last seven games of his playoff you know, career, that's over a span of two different series but he has the worst three-point shooting percentage with that type of volume. Um, I don't think that's going to flip or switch anytime soon. That's a really, really good Boston team that's zeroed in on stopping Trey Young. And if when, if and when that Boston defense is going to take you out of the game, you're going to be taken out. So it's going to be up to the other guys that really need to step up and even make this a contest. So I agree with you guys. It's It's Boston or nothing. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Let's talk uh, Cavs next here. Let's start with you, AC. You like minus two and a half first half for the Cavs. Uh, I assume this is down 0-1, the bounce back spot, first half. Yeah, I, I don't generally subscribe to, you know, the flip-flop or the zigzag theory. Um, but this series is is a series that I've always thought it's going to go seven anyways. So I don't think for, for this series to go seven, the Cavs can't afford to go down 0-2. Matt mentioned a really uh, interesting angle when it comes to home favorites and being a bigger favorite the second time after a win. You could, uh, that's a very big principle of mine. Another one is the home favorite that lost game one and is still the same spread in game two. And that's what we're getting here. Uh, the Cavs are going to be minus five. So I think they're going to come out early and often and, and win that first half and cover the game. So I like both of them. Um, to be honest, this was a, if you watch the game, it came down to just one or two possessions. Evan Mobley, who, who started the game with an awesome offensive rebound, and then a dunk on Mitchell Robinson to tie the game 2-2. After that, he went, I have the stats right here. After that, he went 3 for 12. Um, Isaac Okoro went 1 for 6. Karis LeVert went 1 for 7. So together, the three of them shot 6 for 26 from the field. I don't think that's going to continue here in the second game. And another thing that was a big Achilles heel for the Cavs in game one was their free throw shooting. They only shot 71% from the free throw line for a team that usually shoots in the in the 80s. So I think 
for those reasons, as well as, you know, Matt mentioned it, a bounce back spot uh, and a must win because I think the Knicks are pretty happy, pretty thrilled heading back to New York with one game already in their bag. So I think the Cavs are going to win first half, full game, first quarter, whatever it is, but I think they blow out the Knicks in game two. Yeah, so you know, look, the the zigzag is is was popular for a long time, and then obviously, I think the books probably got sharp on it, and also just like I think variance over time, like the league changes, three point variance. There's like a lot of reasons to not necessarily go into that. You can't just go back and forth, but I think contextually, the spots are important uh, in the playoffs when you've lost the first game, um, in game two, and you're favored at home first half. 39, 28, and three since 2003. That's a 13% ROI. So, uh, at like, this is the way that this actually manifests itself beyond the trend. If you want to think about it in more logical terms, is, and this is a real thing. When a team gets a game on the road in those first two games, they've done the job, they got the split. It is exceptionally hard to overcome the effort that the other team will give. And so teams tend to back off in that situation to be like, all right, fine. We got the split. We're going back to our crib. We have home court. We've done our job. Like That's pretty typical. So um, I do think the Cavs probably like win this game. I don't necessarily want to bet it because uh, the matchup itself, I was so wrong on for a number of reasons. The bench, like everything Brandon said in the preview was right. Everything I said was wrong. Like just summation. Offensive rebounds mattered. The bench mattered. Uh, the Cavs' offense was terrible. Their the rotations like Bickerstaff got out coached by Tibbs. Do you know what a low bar that is? That's really concerning. So I have a lot of concerns about the Cavs here. I think AC's probably right that it's a long series. I don't know. First half, I make I may go with you on first half. That seems like a safer play than the full game. That might be the way that I play this. Brand, you've got a couple of plays on this. Um, let's start with Darius Garland over seven and a half assists. What do you what do you like about that? Yeah, so he had one assist in game one, which yeah. is what we're at first count miles like, whoa, what happened here? So you got to pull up the potential assist chart. He had 13 potential assists. So that's, first of all, just like a, a red flag for the game in general. Like, okay, well, we missed a lot of shots off of Darius Garland assists or potential assists here. 13 is not a huge number. 13 is definitely down from where he was at in season. I typically assume most players are going to hover around half of those that get converted. So that would imply like six and a half. That's still low for him. I like him to get the assist here. He had five turnovers first game, one assist for the season. He averaged just under eight assists per 36 minutes. Well, he played 43 minutes in game one. So we're getting even more Garland than we were during the season. That would be a 9.4 per 43 minutes from the regular season numbers. But again, we don't need one. We need to get to the number I'm playing here is eight. So the reason I like this is Garland's assists just have been high all season long. So if you look at games where we know the minutes are going to be there, we know because we haven't got there yet, but the Cavs have four guys. They got four dudes on their team and that's it. They already went there in game one. They already tibs the lineup in game one. We don't have Okoro and Osman and whoever the other guys, we have no answers so we know Garland, Mitchell, we know these guys are playing like every second they can breathe out there. When Garland plays at least 32 minutes this season, which he clearly will, he'll, he'll go way past that if we can, at least 32 minutes, seven or more assists, 68% of the time. Now that's the traditional line right now, the over six and a half, that's minus 150. 
I'm going to play the over seven and a half or eight plus assists at FanDuel. That's plus 125. So we need eight or more. He's at eight or more 61% of the time when he had 32 minutes this season. And again, we got 43 minutes in game one. So we got an extra 10, 11 minutes of buffer here. I just think the assists are going to be there. And one other thing this year, he had six games, Garland did, where he had four assists or less. So I looked at, okay, what happened the next game? Did, did we get a bounce back factor? He averaged 10 and a half assists in the game after those low ones. And he had at least eight, all six of them. So I, I just feel like it's a good bounce back. It's a good number for him. He's a great assist guy. And if I'm New York, I got to be thinking, okay, I don't really feel like Cleveland's offense can beat us. If we just find some way to take Donovan Mitchell out a little bit, can we just slow him down a little bit? And if slowing him down a little bit probably means trying to get the ball slightly more out of his hands. Darius Garland is the only other guy that can do stuff with the ball. So more chance for Garland, more assess. I think that's just the way I'm leaning here. So Garland over seven and a half plus 125. I don't agree with you. I'm going to, I'm not going to fade you because uh, I value my money, but I am not going to go with you on this. There's a couple of things. I look, I had a, a friend pull this from second spectrum. They are dropping versus Donovan Mitchell because they're basically like Mitchell can score all he wants. We're just not going to let anybody else go like no lobs, no kick out threes, except Okoro who will leave open who should have played more. Honestly, um, Donovan Mitchell can, we're going to play him and drop and just try and wear him down. Garland there. They, it was half and half between drop and blitz. They're going to blitz him more. That's a preferred strategy for the Knicks. I think that they're going to get the ball out of Garland's hands. And if you say like, but doesn't that lead to assist? No, because like the initial, you can make the one, two trigger. It's that third pass, that second yeah. pass rather. Hockey assist. The hockey assist is where that, that winds up. in. it's like, I will like uh, Mobley assists in this game. I will probably like, I'll look and see who's screened for him the most, but those are going to be the kind of things that I'll look for. Um on the other end, you might be be right because I can talk all I want about pick and roll, and it might just be like transition stuff where Garland's able to hit the over. So I'm not going to yeah. go against you, um, but coverage wise, I can't go there. Uh, I do like the over. Why do you like the under in this game? Well, I, I came out of game one thinking, okay, obviously I had to feel good about the Knicks. I was on them going into the series, and the easy takeaway for me coming out of game one is, okay, wow, the Knicks won the game, and they didn't even play that well, right? They got the offensive rebounds, the, the bench dominated, but they shot 42%. They made 28% of their threes. Jalen Brunson, basically no impact in the first half with the foul trouble. He set out a lot. It's very easy to take that and be like, well, man, the Knicks went on the road, got the win, relative ease until that late push by Cleveland, and they didn't even play that well. So therefore, Knicks play even better. Oh man, the series is in trouble. That last part, I think, is the logical conclusion that actually might not be the right conclusion. Why do we think the Knicks are just going to shoot better? <laughs> the Knicks haven't shot better the whole season. The Knicks don't shoot better. That's the thing that they don't do on offense. They do the other stuff. They don't turn it over. They offense rebound. They do all my four factors things except the shooting. I don't know if we can expect them to shoot better, especially because that's the whole thing the Cavs are good at is defending and not letting you shoot, you know, shoot well and get good shots off. So I don't know. If the Knicks do score a lot better, I think some of that is probably the Cleveland defense. And I don't really trust the Cavs to score after what I saw in game one. We saw effectively like a one and a half man offense, kind of the stuff that you just said. Donovan's going to score. And especially if, if you're right, and if Garland is not going to have a big impact, 
man, Evan Mobley did not really put his stamp on the game. Jared Allen is a play finisher. Karis Levert, I don't know if he can even be out there very much. He was not looking good. I don't trust either team to score a whole lot right now. So the pace was super low, super low in the game one. Cavs are last in pace. Cleveland didn't top 27 in any quarter. So I know the line went down. The total went from 216.5 to 213.5. Normally that would trigger me to be like, okay, you got to come back the other way. And I'm going to guess maybe that's where you're on the over here. I just think it hasn't gone low enough. Yeah, we scored a 198 in game one. And I know you can't just push that forward to game two, but I got 90s vibes watching this. I'm watching 90s Knicks basketball, slow, grinding, every point matters. This is just, to me, this is a bet against both teams. This is a bet on both teams kind of being fraudy offenses. And I trust the defenses and the rebounding, the ugliness more. Um, okay, here's a case of the over. Um, it's a first off numbers play. I've got a 225. I think this should be over. Even if you take off like five points for a playoff game environment, that still gets me to 220. I got seven points of differential there. I can't not play that at that number. Um, however, there's other reasons to kind of go with this. So a lot of what I saw in game one, when I went back and watched the Cavs, this is their first playoff game for a lot of those guys, Garland in particular. But a lot of those guys, it was their first playoff game. Evan Mobley. Uh, probably they're going to shake that off and, and settle in. Got a little rattled. Mobley in particular was passive, especially on the glass. Like that was one of the reasons why the Knicks were able to get those offensive rebounds is Evan Mobley was just caught watching. He'll be better in those situations. Won't be as kind of like uncertain. He'll be more assertive. So would Darius Garland uh, numbers wise. Okay. A location effective field goal percentage of cleaning the glass. This is what you should shoot based off of where you got shots from uh, in those numbers. The Cleveland Cavaliers, the fourth best of any team in the in the game ones at 54.3 but the 14th best in actual it's a four percentage point differential in efg the knicks it's even wider they had 11th at 53.4 and they shot 46.6 on efg like the knicks might not have the offensive rebound advantage the knicks might also hit some more threes in this situation the pace is probably gonna is gonna go slow i'm not saying that this total should necessarily be over 220 but I do think the 213 and a half is way too low when you consider all of that. Plus like, again, Cavs will play with more urgency. I maybe, maybe bigger staff will, will play the guys that he needs to. Like a lot of this is also just like him going away from a Cora. I mean, we're talking about this in a recap episode. Him going away from a Cora was a nightmarish decision. Um, I think Cavs will hit more, more role players will hit more threes. I think the Knicks will continue to, to score because their offense legitimately is good. So I'll take the over here. AC, you're the tiebreaker. What do you think? I would lean the over personally. Yes. I think uh, just a just a regression spot on the threes. Again, threes are very uh, high variance, right? But uh, that first game, there were a lot of bricks, and I think you're right. Evan Mobley is going to have a bigger game in game two. Uh, finally, I will go ahead and uh, on the Suns Clippers game, I'm going to lay the seven and a half. This is going to be a half unit play for me. I don't like. I don't think the numbers right. I have this five. I should have bet this yesterday. I was too cowardly without Paul George and I did not bet it. And I regret that. I said in the, in my series preview that this is a great matchup for the Clippers with or without PG, that the series will go long. They win game one. However, all the stuff that we talked about with the Cavs, same deal here, like bounce back spot at home. KD Booker CP three are not going down. Oh, two. I don't think that that happens. And if they, if they're going to make sure that doesn't happen again, the Clippers are very likely to be like, no worries, man. You all yours guys. We've got home court, not worried about it. 
So I'm going to go ahead and lay the points in that one. If you want more on the NBA playoffs, make sure to check out our weekend recap episode. You can follow Analytics Capper Albert Wynn on Twitter at Analytics Capper. You can catch Brandon on Twitter at Wheaton Brando and in the Action Network app. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Our thanks to David Payne, our producer. Make sure to check out our weekend recap episode. We'll see you guys again tomorrow for another Best Bets episode for the Wednesday slate. Till then, let's get buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.